0: As we begin the morning message today, I, I feel I need to backpedal a little bit on a comment that I made last week. Last week I made the statement that the world likes Jesus, but doesn't so much like the church because the church doesn't look like or act like Jesus. And, and I stand by that part of what I say, that this world, they don't like the church, because we don't act like Jesus. They call us hypocrites, and rightly so. But the idea that the world likes Jesus, it's a little bit more nuanced than I allowed last week. The world likes aspects of Jesus. They, they like many of the teachings of Jesus. The whole, love thy neighbor, they like that. Do unto others, that's pretty popular. The whole idea of, of forgiveness. or they, they loved how Jesus welcomed the outcast, how Jesus stood up for those who were marginalized in society. They really like how Jesus stood up to the religious leaders and pushed back against that kind of stuff. That's the kind of stuff that, that they like, the, the forgiving of the tax collectors and the prostitutes. However, statements such as, no one comes to the Father except through me. Or, if anyone wants to follow after me, he must take up his cross and deny himself. Those ones aren't quite as popular. In fact, those statements, those teachings of Jesus can be downright divisive. See, what the world wants, what the world likes, is a a Barney the Dinosaur version of Jesus where it's all love and, and kumbaya with no requirements no really no skin in the game they don't really care for the cross the the entire reason that Jesus came is not popular in fact the cross is very divisive within our culture as we look this morning at Luke chapter 23 we see how the cross was received through the the reactions of various groups. In the beginning part of Luke 23, we see the the events that immediately precede the cross. We see the trial of Jesus before Pilate and and how Pilate tries to release him, but due to political pressure, he's he's forced to to crucify him. And that's where we pick up in, in verse 32, Jesus has been sent off to be crucified, but he's not alone. They also led two other criminals to be executed with Jesus. When they arrived at the place called the skull, they crucified him, along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They drew lots as a way of dividing up his clothing. The people were standing around watching, but the leader sneered at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he really is the Christ sent from God, the chosen one. And their statements kind of make sense from their perspective. It makes sense if if he is God, if he is the Christ, and with everything that that the Christ was supposed to do in in defeating the enemies of Israel. It makes sense. If he is God, he can bring himself down. But, you see, because God is good, we know that he will always do what is right, even when it's not fair. See, these these leaders that were, were jeering at him, They couldn't see the full picture. They didn't understand all that was going on. They called to him, If you are the Christ, save yourself. Basically, if you don't, you're a fraud. They couldn't imagine why he wouldn't save himself. But the reality is that Jesus didn't save himself because he was saving them. At this very moment, what seemed to be right, what seemed to be the reasonable thing to do was the absolutely wrong thing to do. But these weren't the only ones. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him. This is the king of the Jews. Now, as accurate as those words may be, this was not a sign of honor. In sign, fact, this sign was about Jesus, but it was, it was a jab at the Jews. If you remember, Pilate didn't want to crucify Jesus. Pilate interviewed him. He, he checked him out and he said, there's nothing wrong with this guy. Yeah, he claimed to be a king, but I think he's crazy. He says his, king isn't, his, his kingdom isn't even of this world. I don't want to crucify this guy. But it was political pressure, pressure from the religious leaders in Israel that that forced his hand to crucify Jesus. And so Pilate had the last word. He said, fine, if you're going to make me crucify this man who claims to be your king, then history will go down that I am the one who killed the king of the Jews. And so this was a jab at the Jews, still mocking Jesus, but mocking them all in general. But there's more. Then one of the criminals, hanging there, began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. Again, the the insults continue. Maybe short-sighted taunts, but nonetheless i mean from this criminal's perspective if if he mocks jesus if he calls to him to get him down off the cross if jesus really is who he says and he does this well heck he's off the cross if not then at least in the societal standing he's with everybody else mocking this fraud as it would seem but then we hear from the other criminal. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God, since you are undergoing the same punishment? We are punished justly, because we're getting back what we deserve for the things we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Finally, somebody gets it. Somebody understands. I don't imagine that he fully comprehended. That he fully understood what was going on and the full extent of what Jesus was doing. But he understood enough. He understood, just like we said a few weeks ago, that even when you can't trace God's hand, even when you don't know what God is doing, you can trust his heart. That because God is good, he will always do what is right and jesus responded to him saying truly i tell you today you will be with me in paradise see nobody understood what was going on everybody had their ideas about who jesus was everybody had their ideas about what he was doing or what he was planning some of them thought he was a fraud that he just talked big, but really couldn't back it all up. Some of them believed that he was a a military leader. Maybe he just had an army waiting just over the hill to come and save him and to to liberate all of Israel. Some of them rightly believed that he was God, but even then they didn't understand what God was doing. They didn't understand the entirety of his mission. The reality is today... Each of us has our own ideas about God, our own ideas about what God is doing. Some today will claim that Jesus was nothing more than a good teacher, that he came to teach us how to get along with one another, how to be kind to your fellow human beings. Others will say, well, he was was a prophet. He was a messenger from God to help to tell us how to get to God. And some, while they even claim deity in Jesus, only see him reduced to a mere window to which to see the infinite God. See, but Jesus was much more than that. Jesus' whole purpose, the whole reason that that he was God taken on flesh, was for one reason, and that reason was the cross. The cross sums up Jesus' entire life here on earth. Yes, he healed people. Yes, he taught along the way. But those were secondary. The entire reason for the incarnation was the cross. You say, well, pastor, I'm not a fan of the cross. I'm more of a a Christmas person. I like the manger. I like the baby Jesus. I I like the, the hope and the joy that comes for because of what the cross says because the cross said sometimes that you're gonna drive five miles an hour over the speed limit. I know here on 200 sometimes people think to drive 15 under but in general illegal but we do it anyway. Everybody does it. Half a century ago it was abhorrent to even do it. Society makes up its own rules. Society changes the definition of sin. A willful transgression against a known law of God, no matter what society says. Let me see here. I have here, in my hand, a $5 bill. Now, if I were to say to everybody here that at the end of church, Whoever wants to come up on the platform and take this $5 bill, you are free to do so. It is being offered. I will say. If nobody comes up to receive that $5, it has been offered, but it hasn't been received. Change reality. It doesn't change the reality of, of who Jesus allows relationship to grow. Forgiveness brings unity. But rejection yields the opposite. Rejection yields separation. And you may think, it's no big deal, it's not a real five dollars anyway. But the consequences are still real, even if you don't believe it or want to believe it. And the consequences of rejecting God is separation from him. Separation from all of who God is. God is love and God is goodness. And rejection of the cross is rejection of Him and rejection of His love and His goodness. You may say, well, that's not true, Pastor, because I can experience love and I can experience goodness without having a belief in God. And you are right before the wrong reasons. Because people do experience love. And people do experience goodness within this world all the time. That does not mean that those attributes are independent of God. Those attributes are here in this world because of God's prevenient grace. Because God offers himself to all humanity, giving us a taste of who he is and what he offers, revealing himself to us. But God's patience has a limit. Our ability to experience God's goodness while rejecting Him is not going to last forever. Another consequence that comes from accepting or rejecting the cross is peace versus chaos. As i've said i don't always understand all that god does god god heals this person and not that person god does this but doesn't do that and i don't always understand it and from my perspective those actions may not always be fair but i know that because god is good he will always do what is right and that reality that understanding brings peace in the midst of the trials. It brings peace to those who accept him. It's not going to stop bad things from happening. In this passage here, Jesus is experiencing some very bad things. We cannot expect anything else. But it provides peace during those hard times. But without God, If we reject God, if we deny that God even exists, without God there is no higher purpose. There's no reason for even going through the, the daily grind of life. There is only chaos, random chance, no meaning behind anything. Those bad things that have happened in your life, they don't have a purpose. They're not pushing you towards something else. They're just random bad things that happen to happen with no reason whatsoever. Those people who hurt you, who received no justice, it's all meaningless. Without God, there's no purpose in life. Without God, Jesus dying on the cross was pretty stupid. Without God, sacrifice in general is stupid. If this is all that there is, if there is nothing beyond the immediate what we have right now, then helping others is is crazy because you're not getting anything back. There is nothing beyond this. You can spend your whole life serving and sacrificing for others and end in the same place as someone who did it all for themselves and enjoyed all that this world had to offer. There's no point in sharing love. There's no point in caring for others. It's every man for himself. Some even say go as far as just finding that balance. nature be like the animal kingdom and that's all good and well if you are the king of the jungle but the rule of the animal kingdom is kill or be killed survival of the fittest it's not hakuna matata no worries no problems no troubles that's not it rejection of God is pure selfishness throughout the world take all that you can Because this is all that there is. And you might as well get all that you can for yourself now. Is that the kind of life that you want to live? That you know deep down is is right? I mean, where's the hope? Where's the love? Where's the mercy and the forgiveness? Where is the sacrifice in that? right there in the cross it's all at the cross and it's yours to accept or to reject along with all the consequences that come with that decision every choice has consequences this decision is no different but unlike many other choices in your life the consequences of this choice play out into all eternity because the choice to accept or to reject the cross is a choice between heaven and between hell and i know we don't like to talk about it talking about hell makes us uncomfortable we're good with heaven we can talk about heaven all day long but we don't really want to touch the topic of hell we don't want to believe in it because it makes us uncomfortable The reality is, I don't want to believe in taxes, but I still have to pay them. I don't want to believe that ice cream makes me fat, but we all know the reality. It doesn't change that fact. We may not want to believe in hell, but that doesn't make it any less real. And our society and our church will try to sugarcoat it. We'll try to, to push it to the side. We'll, we'll try to make everybody feel good about it. But that's not what the Bible tells us. The Bible teaches that hell is real. It teaches us the reality of hell. and Because the Bible teaches it, I will continue to preach it. You may say, well, a loving God would not send anybody to hell. You see, that's the thing. God's not sending anyone. You did this to yourself. Through your choices, your consequences. Every time that you knew the right thing and you chose the wrong thing. Every willful transgression against the known law of God has brought about the consequence of hell. And God is the one who is actively trying to stop it. He is the one that is offering a way out, that is providing a way away from hell. And he does that through the cross, through his forgiveness, through his peace, through heaven. See, both of these criminals, they were in the exact same situation. Both of them were hanging on the cross. Both of them were in excruciating pain. Both of them were actively in the process of dying. Both of them, when they turned their heads, could see Jesus. Yet, with all that the same, they both had different reactions to Him. They were inches away from the answer. Yet, one of them refused to believe while the other accepted. You may say, Pastor, you don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the life that I've lived. You don't know the darkness that is inside of me. I'm too far gone. But the fact of the matter is, you are here and you're listening right now. Or you're listening online. You are not dead yet. You are not actively in the process of being executed for your crimes. If it wasn't too late for them, it's not too late for you. You are not beyond forgiveness. I'd ask everybody to bow your heads. Close your eyes this morning. Whatever your problem is, whatever's going on in your life, I want you to know that Jesus is the answer. The question is whether or not you will receive him. Whether or not you will accept the forgiveness that he offers. See, this cross has divided the world it has divided the world into sinners and sinners saved by grace. God loves them all the same. God wants them all to come to him to receive the gift of the cross. The question is, will you accept that forgiveness? habit is to put it off to tomorrow. I have my whole life ahead of me. I don't need to do it right now. The truth is, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. You have no promise of another day. So I urge you to settle this question today. It doesn't take any magic words. It doesn't take a special prayer from the pastor. It's not overly complicated. It's It's so simple that a child can understand it. It's as simple as ABC. Admit. Admit that you need forgiveness. Admit that you are not good enough, that you can't do this on your own. That it's not the cultural standards that matter, but it's God's definition that matters. And then believe that Jesus can do it. Believe that that $5 bill is real. Believe that Jesus can and will forgive your sins. And then commit your life to Him. Commit your life to Jesus. All it takes is a willing heart, a heart that is open to surrender him and God God will do the rest Heavenly Father God I pray I pray that as we look upon the cross that our hearts would be stirred that our hearts would be changed God we would look upon you And that we would choose the grace and the forgiveness that you offer. God, I pray for each and every one here. Those who are wrestling with this question. Those who don't see themselves as bad people. God, that you would be moving in our hearts. We know that you're not sending us to hell, but you are actively trying to save us from it from our, the consequences of our own actions. And so, God, I pray. I pray that, that lives would be changed, that hearts would say, I accept you. I accept the forgiveness. I accept the peace. I accept your invitation to an eternity with you. Pray this, Lord, in your holy and precious name. Amen.